Connecting for positive change. So hi everyone and welcome back to our industrial decarbonisation podcast series highlighting the progress being made towards net zero and in particular the Industrial Energy Transformation Fund which is provided by the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. My name is Jenny McDonnell and this podcast series is brought to you today by Innovate UK KTN. So the purpose of this podcast series is to encourage the permanent deployment of industrial energy efficiency and decarbonisation technologies with support from the IETF fund. The funds providing capital investment to industrial sites in England, Wales and Northern Ireland to help them to reduce their energy demand and carbon emissions associated with their industrial process, which in some cases can be very energy intensive. So a link to the competition guidance for this fund can be found in the description below um, that's associated with this podcast. And if you haven't already, then please do go to the KTN website uh, through, again, the link provided in the description and sign up for our newsletters because you'll get updates on future IETF funds as well. So the current competitions are open now and they close on the 9th of September, but there will be another competition window in the autumn too. You'll also find future episodes of this podcast series listed there too. So joining me today on our second podcast are Tim Shire from SRUK, representing a large manufacturer based in the Northwest, and Alex Patrick-Smith from Hinton Perry and Davenhill, representing a smaller manufacturing site in the Midlands. So hello to you both guys. Would you like to uh, introduce yourselves and uh, explain a bit about your role within your organisation? So, Tim, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. So, um, I work for SIUK. So, we're a a very large-scale manufacturer of transport fuels and um, chemical feedstocks in the UK. We are one of the UK's top 20 CO2 emitters. So, we we have a lot of emissions to deal with um, and a lot of energy that we use. And my role is as the site energy manager. And I I look at everything from kind of short term energy monitoring and management, CO2 emissions reporting, uh, right through to longer term strategic initiatives um, for energy saving and decarbonisation. That's great. Thank you, Tim. And now, Alex. Good morning. I um, uh, run uh, Hinton, Perry and Davenhill and uh, just recently become chairman but I've sort of held on to this um, decarbonisation brief because for us um, you know we see this as a as an existential threat to our our long-term future. Um, We manufacture bricks and uh, roof tiles so um, clay building products and um, that process um, involves firing um, products to to high temperatures and also um, using gas um, in the drying process. And um, we really see uh, our journey to, to decarbonisation as something that is, you know, an, a real imperative, and something that um, we want to accelerate um, as quickly as possible, because we currently emit um, over eight thousand tons of CO two a year, um, which you know may in itself not sound like a, a huge amount, but it is roughly about a kilogram of CO2 per pound of turnover. So um, the scale of the challenge 
you know, is, is, is highlighted really by that number. Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you to you both for coming along to share your experience of the IETF with us today. And um, before we get into the detail on that, um, I was wondering if you could uh, give us, help us to understand why decarbonisation is so important to your business and what measures you may have already put in place to make your operations more resilient and more sustainable. Like, for instance, do you have a net zero carbon target that you're working towards? I mean, Alex, would you like to go first on that one? Yeah, I mean, we've already um, seen a, a big reduction in our emissions, um, roughly around 29% from the start of our, um, well, it was EUETS at the time, mm-hmm. our auditing of, of our emissions. And um, that was through an investment in... Um, new dryers and taking some of the available heat from the, the cooling side of our our um, kiln firings. And um, we've also looked at um, smaller things which you know in aggregate um, have worked reasonably well to, 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 to cut um, you know five percent that sort of number out of our, our emissions. But um, this is always, you know, you always go for the low-hanging fruit first, and um, the the sort of next challenge is is um, a step up in in the level of complexity, and and our focus now is on um, energy efficiency, really using every little bit of, of energy that um, we generate and 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 waste, and that for us is in the form of heat that is. Um, expelled um, through flue gases and um, currently goes to waste. So that is our, our current focus in um, the next step in our decarbonisation journey. Mm. Um, we don't quite know what net zero really means for us because, you know, that is a, you know, a, a legislative driven um, target, but it hasn't been distilled into, you know, our energy intensive businesses like ourselves allowed to emit something um, mm. because other parts of the economy or p- other technologies are going to be removing carbon from from the system so we've taken the view that we just need to progress on this journey um, as as quickly as we can with um, as much help as we can get from initiatives such as this IATF funding. Well, that's great. And, and you're setting a great example as well to the smaller manufacturing sites that might not have started to consider what they could do to reduce their emissions or to become more energy efficient. And particularly as your site isn't part of one of the big industrial clusters either, are you? You're kind of um, in the Midlands and um, not, n- not having well, maybe all of the opportunities of being part of a cluster. So, yeah, well, I mean, we, 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 we're in an, an area that, that used to be, you know, the industrial heartland um, in, in the black country. And um, we are currently out of a, um, uh, a, an industry that, you know, used to be quite strong in the area, the last man standing. And, yeah. um, and, and so, you know, the brick and tile businesses that were in our area have all closed and, and, and moved away. And, um, or, 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 you know, being been swallowed by by larger organisations who've reorganised things. But um, you know, for us, we're a family business, and um, you know, our our 
our capital is invested in this business and we want to preserve it. We've been going for 215 years mm. and um, we want to see a, a pathway to a, to a viable future. And that means you know, making sure that we produce our products with the minimum amount of um, um, fossil fuel um, input. And, and we're looking at all sorts of avenues to, to try and achieve that. That's great. So Tim, would you like to share SR's strategy for decarbonisation as well? Sure, and uh, I'm picking up on what Alex said, and I think the first thing he said was, uh, we see this as, as an existential threat. And, you know, in, in our industry where we're, we're making perhaps high carbon transport fuels, uh, you know, our industry is clearly going to have to change uh, hugely in the next uh, 10 to 20 years and, um, you know, potentially, um, become a lot smaller and, and a different shape. And so we very much see uh, deep decarbonization is like is a prerequisite for um, survival. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very ambitious about decarbonization. Um, we've, we've got some sort of published targets, which are for, for our operations, 50% uh, um, CO2 reduction by 2030, 100% uh, by 2040. Um, We've got quite a lot of things in work. So if if everything goes according to plan, as well as it might, we we're looking at actually we might be able to get ninety percent um, CO two reduction of our of our manufacturing operations by by the end of the decade, and that's what sort of kind of hoping for. Yeah, that'd um, be amazing. Uh, there's still our, our products also need to be decarbonised, and that's probably a whole whole different subject as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, and we've made pretty good steps. So since 2016, we've uh, reduced our our emissions uh, by about half a million um, tons per year, um, but we're still emitting nearly two million tons, so we've got a, quite a long way to go. Yeah, but if you like optimistically, by the end of the decade, that's not that far off, really. So that is a, it, a great time to have. It's not that far off, and and I mean, there's a lot of things we have been working really quite hard on that are maybe just starting to come to fruition. So we are part of an industrial cluster, uh, the, the sort of high net northwest cluster. Yeah. Um, and so the low carbon hydrogen manufacturing will be, um, you know, on our site, um, kind of operated and maintained um, by us. So that's a big piece of it. Uh, there'll be carbon capture infrastructure. Um, so a big, a big amount of the carbon is made, you know, as a chemical reaction in our products. But with the infrastructure there, then we're, we're working through the carbon capture projects. Um, but actually, energy efficiency is really the the top priority because you know, carbon capture reduces carbon but costs money to run whereas yeah. energy efficiency reduces carbon and saves operating costs yeah. so um you know it's, it's kind of a win-win really um so that's our, our you know the next few years we're hoping to make quite a big dent with with energy efficiency well that's great thank you i, I guess actually tim if you'd like to carry on now would you like to uh, share an overview of what the ietf funding is helping you to deploy yeah. at stanlow refinery Yeah, so um, we've got a few things going on. So we have applied for um, some grants which um, are not um, haven't been announced or not fully decided yet to look at all sorts of things. So um, electrification, uh, strategic studies looking at heat recovery, use of heat pumps, that, that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. they're they're brewing in the mix, but we we have been awarded a. a a quite substantial grant for a, a big change to um, one of our furnaces and 
the uh, the counterfactual, if you like, what, what we had to do anyway, we, we had a furnace on site that was, um, it's about 46 years old. Um, for environmental reasons, we needed to upgrade um, uh, to reduce NOx emissions. There was quite a bit of uh, maintenance and patching up needed needed doing to it. And, and that was, you know, s several million pounds worth of, uh, worth of work. Um, and if we did all that, we'd still end up with a relatively inefficient old furnace that's still 46 years old and is going to need continued um, maintenance and mm -hmm. isn't that efficient. Um, so what we really wanted to do is replace the furnace, um, build a brand new uh, new one. So the new one is about when it first goes in, um, 2023, it'll, it'll be about 4% more efficient. Um, which is saving between 10 and 20 um, thousand tons a year of, of CO2 because it's, it's very mm. big. Um, but it's also going to be set up to be ready for 100% hydrogen firing. Um, and so when, um, when HiNet comes along, uh, that will allow it to become more efficient still um, because the, the hydrogen is a cleaner fuel and we can uh, burn it a bit more efficiently, get, get a couple more percent, but also obviously hydrogen zero emissions. So um, yeah, we'll be able to get rid of the other 200,000 tons per year of CO2 that this emits. And the grant, obviously the complete replacement is considerably more expensive than, than patching up. And so the grant supports, um, you know, pays for some of that, that difference um, to enable us to, to do the, the transformational projects, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. So it's helping you with the, the additional cost of it being extremely energy efficient and hydrogen ready that's right yeah that's great i mean the fact that it, you have the potential to switch to 100 percent hydrogen and um, once the hydrogen supply arrives in your area is it's so exciting and that's going to make a real difference to the uk carbon emissions and shows, it is, uh, yeah. Yeah. shows other sites what can be done as well so, um, Alex, would you like to share an overview of how the ITF funding has helped you to prepare for future deployment at your site in Dudley? Yes, I mean, the, the um, grant we were awarded was for a feasibility study to analyse what's required to capture the heat from the firing side of, of um, uh, our kiln cycles. And... Um, transport that heat in a, in a form that um, well, when we started the feasibility study we weren't sure about but um, uh, it was to take it to our, our drying operations with the hope that we could then um, remove the need for gas burners in our in our dryers by using the heat um, from the kiln. So we studied um, the uh, composition of our flue gases the temperatures um, from the various kilns and how those firing cycles will, will overlap. And we've got um, several intermittent kilns. So the, um, you know, the, the aggregation of all of that, we just wanted to make sure that in terms of availability of heat, that that was maintained mm. throughout normal operations. Um, we then uh, looked at the heat requirement um, within our dryers and we looked at that um, for each hour of each day for each dryer um, 
seven days a week um, and uh, throughout the whole year. And we've mapped the heat availability um, over the heat requirement. And we've concluded that there is sufficient heat available. Um, and that led us on to the next stage, which was to design a system that was going to enable us to, to, to capture that heat and move it around using heat exchangers and a medium pressure hot water system that has now um, been designed. It's, it's been costed up. Um, we're still subsequent to, to this um, grant funding project, just working on, on things actually um, partly as a result of another KPN initiative, um, which we were involved in, which was the IX challenge. Um, which has thrown up um, other potential um, uh, companies that can help us on on um, delivering this this potential solution. So all of this is feeding into a new application for the deployment, um, which we're hoping to put in um, in this second phase of the IETF funding. Thanks, Alex. Um, that was a really great. Thank you very much for the plug for the IX uh, chat program as well at the KTN. For the listeners, if you're not familiar with IX, it's the Innovation Exchange. So if you're a challenge owner and you want help to find solution providers, different companies or universities that can help you solve a business challenge, then do come and have a chat with us. Um, and again, another great project and, and hopefully easy to replicate at other manufacturing sites as well. So I hope both of these projects have given the listeners some ideas of what they can do at their site. So now a question for both of you. Um, there's been a reasonable amount of funding for R&D and for deployment of industrial decarbonisation over the last few years. But given that the IETF programme is due to end at the end of March and um, it, the last competition to be able to bid for support is going to be this autumn, um, what further support would you like to see from government? For instance, has this capital investment style uh, funding been really useful or maybe would a tax incentive be more attractive to your company uh, in order to sort of keep up momentum for industrial decarbonisation? So, Tim, would you like to go first? Yeah, so I mean, we found this this funding source to be very useful, um, uh, both in terms of the money helping us get, you know, perhaps uh, projects we'd struggle to fund ourselves over the line, um, but also I think just the attention and the timing that the grant brings. It's sort of uh, an opportunity that you you could do later. It, it sort of gives you that incentive to do it now. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, more, more of the same would be good. I mean, our, our shopping list for energy efficiency items is um, still huge. Um, so so this, is, this is good to continue. Um, I think that there, there may be, moving out into the sort of medium term, there is still a lot that can be done um, with relatively well-proven technology. And uh, IETF, uh, as I understand, is really focused on deployment of proven stuff. Um, I, I guess as we dig deeper and deeper, there'll be more need to um, perhaps underwrite some of the technology risk for, for trying more ambitious stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, some kind of funding that would, would support that might, might be useful in the medium term. Um, and yeah, the, the only kind of comment from our side really on our uh, making it a better fit is 
we have very limited windows when we can deploy major investments. So we, we only mm -hmm. shut down parts of the plant once every four years. Um, so there's the, the choreographing of feasibility studies, detailed engineering, procurement of long lead items, you know, yeah. delivering construction needs to fit in with that. And we have found it a little difficult, you know, get the right grant window and the right timing um, and, and the, the length of the window because our projects often, but you know, very um, long gestation for building huge pieces of kit. Yeah. Uh, so that that's something that could perhaps be improved. But yeah, I mean, basically, basically, it's a very good fund, and, we, and we'd like to see it, it continue. Um, definitely. And, and particularly at the moment, I, I imagine the lead times are particularly bad at the moment with yes. energy crisis and and the Ukraine war and everything else causing problems. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's lots of cost uncertainty. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we've heard of things uh, of quotes, you know, only being valid for hours um, and things like that yeah. uh, and then lead times have gone out um, and, and that is a big risk for us yeah if we if if the kit arrives months late and we miss the window you know it can't yeah. go in for another four years so it's, it's really um, a challenge. Yeah I can imagine um, and you mentioned you would in the medium term um, you could see a, an R&D fund being useful so the industrial energy efficiency accelerator is another fund from uh, Bayes which is exactly for that purpose um, that unfortunately is in its last round of funding so it's good to hear that that uh, type of funding is also needed so I will feed that back so um, Alex do you, do you agree with the comments made by Tim or uh, is there additional support maybe that's needed for smaller industrial sites in particular? Are there any gaps in the current funding because of being a smaller site? Well, I would certainly echo a lot of what um, Tim has said. I think, um, you know, we found the fund useful. It sort of acted as a catalyst really for getting everybody engaged in this, um, mm -hmm. particularly getting a partner involved in, a, in the project to um, you know work with us on this and um, so I think the, the fund itself um, has worked well for us I think there are certain things about some of the sort of, kind of you know time and, and bureaucratic elements of, of the monitoring and doing all that sort of thing mm. and also I guess from from a, a smaller company's perspective you put a lot of effort into the application and because it's a competitive thing um, you may not be successful at the end of it all yeah. and I think um, you know there's a danger potentially that you know that could be demotivating for companies who are, who are not successful because of the amount of work that, that went into it and um, and I certainly would like to see the the a fund or a, a, a future evolution of it um, you know, remain in, in, in place because I think it is support for these type of capital investments that um, we're looking to do that is, 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 is necessary to, to make a realistic payback. Yeah. And, th and there is one other thing that I look at, um, and I, you know, from, from a, a, a UK um, perspective, you know, we've now part of um, the, the new UK TS, uh, ETS scheme and within the first two years, so the second year is still running, but the government will have raised £11 billion through auctions from this scheme. And mm. only a fraction of that is coming back to, to, to industry for decarbonisation. And one 
thought I've had is that um, if the um, amount of money that is is taken out um, through these schemes from from individual companies is returned in a form of a voucher that could then be spent um, on technologies or solutions that that, that are decarbonizing and, and and obviously have to go through some qualification but there rather than sucking money out of businesses that could be used for investment it provides um, a direct channel for that to be wow. put back into into the right areas um, I did mention that to a minister who um, <laughs> who said that uh, what well, hypothecation um, is not a, um, a an attractive thing for the treasury and it didn't make um, very good policy but I would disagree I would say it makes very good policy but possibly not good politics and um, I think the the visibility of a scheme like that um, you know could be helpful for everybody I completely agree I, I think that's a great idea and in fact um, when I used to work in the oil and gas industry um, the Brazilian government used to have a, a scheme exactly like that, that if an oil company invested in R&D to reduce their emissions, then they didn't have to pay as much tax or, you know, they got money back in that way. So it can be done. So I will definitely uh, feed that back to Bayes and see if we can make that happen. Well, I'm afraid we need to wrap up now. So, but huge thanks to both you, Tim and Alex. It's been great to have you with us today and to learn about the progress that's being made in industrial decarbonisation in the UK. Thank you everyone for listening. Any links mentioned today, and as I say, a link to the KTN website have been added to the description of the podcast. So don't forget to sign up to receive newsletters and updates about the IETF funding. In the next episode, we'll be hearing from some of the delivery partners of CR Plus and Enviro, who are using their energy experience to help industrial sites uh, to make industrial decarbonisation a reality. So until then, thanks again for listening and goodbye.